0: Hey, this is Reese Scruggs from Havoc. This is Alex from Lee's Eyes. Hi, this is Dan from Valfreya. This is Tyler from Begat and Nephilim. This is Samuel from Animal, and you're listening
1: to the Great Metal Debate Podcast. Step Step. Step.
2: Podcast listeners, Welcome back to the show for another metal artist interview. I'm joined by River and Dave from Louisville Metal Clan Volcandra. Guys, thank you so much for coming on The Great Metal Debate.
1: Thanks for having us. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks. First, for folks who aren't familiar with this band, tell us a little bit about how the project came together.
0: Well, uh, River and the other three guys were in a band called Dave Scufa, and that band eventually broke up, and so... They wanted to keep the ball rolling. Um, they got uh, they got Jamie, our other guitar player, on board, and then they asked me to do vocals, and pretty much the rest is history.
2: I noticed that there's an old Deep Scoopa track called Volcandra. Is that the origin of the name?
1: Uh, yeah, and that track was actually written by our bass player, Dyer, prior to Deep Scoopa being a band. So then they ended up bringing that song into that band, and then took it, just to kind of connect it to what we were doing previously.
2: So is this band kind of an outgrowth musically of Deep Scoop, or do you see it as a uh, more of a a break musically and trying to move into something new? Uh,
1: Moving into something new, I'd say. uh, Like, the songs are definitely more, a little bit less black metal, a little bit more influences in there, and uh, we don't want to sound like that band. Exactly. We want to try to bring in, you know, Jamie and Dave's input as well. Make it all of our ideas rather than just the same, doing the same thing we were doing. And I think we're all happier with what we've been doing now than we were in the past as well. Now,
0: there were a couple, well, there are a couple of songs that were Dave scoofa tracks that we are playing live currently. But like River said, you know. And uh, you know, other input has been put in by myself lyrically and Jamie. You know, as far as like a guitar standpoint goes. So, to some extent, you could say that those songs have been revamped and they kind of have a new life for this project.
2: River, you mentioned black metal, and the genre question is one that often gets asked, and we debate it on our podcast. From your perspective as an artist, wh- what's the role of labeling a band or a, or certain? album or even song into a specific genre is that helpful or does that as a musician do you find it to be not that helpful to you
1: um i think that it's something that can be useful like in conversation if you know somebody's interested in one you know subgenre being able to know what each other are talking about when you're talking about bands or what uh music you've been listening to but, uh, as far as writing music, like to call it black metal is kind of just the superficial things that, you know, have been constant through it, like blast beats, you know, high, high pitch screaming, you know, as opposed to like death metal or, uh, you know, f- tremolo pick guitars and all that. But to say that, you know, us, I'd say, or plenty of, other modern bands are like black metal in the sense that it was you know in the years past especially when it was first starting it's like it's a it's a large disconnect between like what we're doing or what a lot of other modern bands are doing and then like something like the second wave of black metal or something like that you know
2: man i've long argued that black metal is the most generous genre as far as different influences and sounds like you can be a black metal band and Almost sound like anything. There are no limits to that to that specific subgenre. You guys have thoughts about that? Uh, I think the
0: same is applicable to death metal, but I do agree that black metal is a really versatile uh, subgenre of metal. And like like River was saying, you know, we're not black metal in the sense that we're you know conducting rituals or we have. You know, stage names like Necrobert, Butcher and that. You know, we're not like worshiping Satan or anything like no that. No corpse paint tonight. No corpse paint. We're gonna do something a little different for tonight's Halloween show. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think I think the term black metal, as far as like you know, a modern way to reference that, is kind of more of the sound of the music. And when you say that, it's like you know, you can open up so many other doors with just saying black metal because it doesn't have to just be one
2: specific type. Now, you referenced the show tonight, and you guys are on the bill with some pretty incredible bands uh, with a variety of styles. You have Stagecoach Inferno, which has more of the classic power metal sound. The guys and ladies in Winterham bringing the pagan folk metal attack. What's the difference for you all playing as part of a lineup that has a variety of sounds versus one where the bands are in that same vein? Do you have a preference for one or the other?
1: Um... We we haven't actually had many opportunities to play with a whole lineup of bands that sound super similar to us, and I, I, I feel like it definitely makes more interesting to be able to, you know, have a power metal band, a death metal band, you know, uh, a doom band, black metal band, whatever, because, you know, I think that there's a lot of crossover in the fan bases... And I, I know I personally enjoy lots of different subgenres of metal so I enjoy that versus four black metal bands even though I enjoy that too it's just it's nice to have that diversity you know. Yeah I think
0: uh, I think shows that showcase a lot of like variety with different bands on the bill are, are really good for the turnout. You have a lot of people that you know may come to see you know, band A and then they see, you know, band C and, you know, you make a new fan that way, you know, they didn't even expect to, you know, come there and watch your set. Um, and something that's been really nice as far as like feedback with Volcander is that a lot of people have mentioned to us that they don't typically listen to black metal, but they like what we're doing. So, uh, I, I guess you could say it's, it's safe to say that, you know, we can fit on a bill with, you know, bands of other subgenres.
2: Sounds like there have been some surprises, but pleasant surprises when they hear you. So uh, if you guys don't mind, tell us a little bit about your own personal musical backgrounds. Did you all grow up in musical homes, and do either of you have any formal training?
1: Um, my parents were both, well, they're still both extremely obsessed with music. My dad had huge record collection growing up like hundreds of records so I flipped through and found things I liked and then you know eventually that led to metal and other things from there my dad also played guitar so I pretty much started playing guitar because of him and I had I've I've taken some formal lessons but it was very early in my playing so it's hard to say how much of that has carried over because I when I was like Ten years old, but I've been playing for what would be thirteen years, I guess now. I should be better after playing for thirteen years, but uh, yeah, I've just always loved music, mostly because of my family. They've pretty much required that you're into music, or you're just gonna have a bad time. Oh, uh, I, myself, I did not grow up
0: in a musical home, but I, I have an aunt and uncle who kind of introduced me to, like, classic rock bands like, you know, like Led Zeppelin or ACDC. I think ACDC was the first band I really got into because of them. And then, you know, uh, in, like, middle school, I, I had friends that were really into, like, thrash metal and, or bands like Black Sabbath and Motorhead. Um, and then, you know, I got into, like, Slayer and Metallica and Testament. And then, you know, eventually it's like a snowball effect. You get into bands that are more extreme, you know, as, as the years go by. Um, and I started, I picked up guitar when I was like 14. So I've been playing for over 10 years. I'm not going to do the math right now. But uh, but no, I mean, uh, I definitely found it on my own, so to speak. But I, But more so than that, I have, you know, I have some of my family and my friends, you know, from middle school and high school to thank for that.
2: Now, I understand Volcandra is working on their debut album, but you guys have already released a single, Planes of Despair, back in January. Tell us about that song and why that was the one you came out with at the beginning to introduce the band.
1: Uh, that song we actually wrote in between finding these guys, Jamie and Dave, and adding them into the mix, and when we were Depp Kufa. We wrote that song, and we figured oh let's record it find people that are going to be interested in doing this with us and we found those two dudes so they added their stuff to it and then we released it pretty much like a few weeks after they joined the band which was interesting but we were just ready to get the ball rolling and um i don't know i think it actually turned out to be a pretty good um single because it's kind of one of our more uh straightforward just you know vibe good good vibe tracks that just uh has has a little bit of everything we do on the rest of our songs i'd say but also i wouldn't say is our best song but it's just fun to play still i, I enjoy that song yeah uh for me i i think
0: and I find it funny that you that song called "Planes of Despair" is our our feel good song, uh, but no, it's uh, that song's like I, I feel like it's the tip of the iceberg um, as far as like to what the rest of the songs sound like, and it just it just gives you a taste of kind of what we're doing and kind of like the ballpark of uh, you know of uh, subgenres that we're we're playing with. Um, yeah, it was it was fun to to get that track and then to have a lot of open space to write a lot of lyrics over. Um, so and that's that's a completely different approach for me as opposed to Cryptic Kim, which is the death metal band I play in, where there's a lot of like noty riffage, and then there's you know there will be passages in the songs that are like you know a minute long where there are no vocals. But in this case, there. Uh, there's a lot more for me to do as far as a vocalist, which is fine because I'm not playing an instrument. Um, so it's it was a fun, slightly
2: different approach. Definitely something to whet the appetite for the, uh, the upcoming album. Now, guys, our podcast is centered in western Kentucky, so we're blessed. We get to meet a lot of bands here in Louisville as well as uh, in the Nashville market both of which, though, are off the, kind of the main tour circuit along the coasts and through the south and the upper Midwest. Uh, what do you guys think of, first, the metal scene in this city, Louisville, Kentucky? And also, how challenging do you think it is for individual bands as well as scenes to develop when you're a little bit out of, the again, those main tour tracks?
0: Um, well, first off, uh, I think it's, it's safe to say that the Louisville music scene is, is really healthy. Um, for example, last night, River and a couple of our other buddies, you know, got an ensemble of, of guys together to play, uh, Mastodon's Leviathan album from front to back. Um, and that, you know, in itself is, is kind of a testament to how good things are. And there's such a wide variety of, of different heavy bands from this area. It's not just like, it's not just death metal or black metal or hardcore. It's, it's like literally like you could think of a subgenre and there's probably a handful of bands that play each one. Um, but uh, as far as the other question goes, um, how difficult do I think it is to create a fan base outside of this? Um, I think it depends on the city. Um, certain cities, it's like hit or miss, like you got to play there a couple of times before you really get a following. But other times it's like, uh, you know, people in certain places just kind of religiously go to shows and, um, and again, it all just depends on who's promoting it and, uh, the bands on the bill and how well known they are. Um, you know, it's a multitude of things. Um, but you know, you got you to gotta build your regional support and then slowly just, you know, branch your way out from there. You can't just, you know, go all the way across the country and expect to, to do well because you're in the West Coast or whatever. You know, you got you to gotta play it safe. You got to be realistic about it.
1: I, I was just going to say, um, I think that the most important thing is just making those connections with other bands in your home city too. Like, when you have fans that come through and play, like, places like here at Magbar or Tap Room, and you play a show with them, and you get to know them, and they're a few cities away, you know, you let them crash at your house, or you put together the show. Like, that's the best way to get outside of your city and expect to find success, because then they'll have, you know, they'll have a show in their town where they're playing with you, and their fans show up there you know so i think a lot of bands do help each other out and that does make it easier to get out of town and do well yeah it's a
0: it's a community effort you know um, and that's how you create those friendships and those bonds is you know when an out-of-town band comes through you take care of them, make sure that they're treated right and paid well and
2: you know hopefully down the line they'll do the same thing for you or at least point you in the right direction well, speaking about those opportunities, I understand you guys have some big shows coming up, opening for a couple of national touring bands. You want to talk about those shows?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, next up, we're, we're playing with our buddies in Paladin on November 6th at Magbar. Um, and I've known those guys for a hot minute. Um, one of my older bands played down in Atlanta, and a couple of members in Paladin were in another band at the time, um, and, you know, we created that, that friendship ever since then, and um, we had them come through a few months ago. They played in Louisville, and we took real good care of them and got them paid really well. Um, and, I mean, those guys are going to blow up real soon. I, I, can, I can definitely see that happening. They're incredible. Um, and then we have uh, playing with uh, Iwata, as I, I think that's how you pronounce it, playing with them at, uh, at Zanzibar here in Louisville uh, November 19th. Um, also with our friends in Oubliette. And Majutsu, Oubliette from Nashville, Tennessee, by the way. Um, so that's uh, that's going to be a really exciting show to be a part of. Um, and like we were mentioning earlier, you know, that this is a show where it's, it is all black metal bands
2: from front to back, so. They're
1: really good. Yeah. Yeah, they're all really good bands, so.
2: For the the black metal fans, that's one you don't want to miss. Well, guys, starting to wrap up with you, beyond the next few shows, what are the band's plans for 2020, and when can fans expect to hear the debut album from Volcandra?
1: We don't have an exact date yet. I think that we will um, before the end of the year, I hope, or early into the beginning of 2020. It's looking like it'll probably be spring of 2020, because we just don't want to uh, be trying to push our material all winter we'd rather wait till the spring and be able to do it properly and I think the the plan is to just release the album and try and push it out of town as much as possible like do some you know sh- do some short runs some weekends, maybe a couple longer ones next summer you know do as much as we feasibly can to let people hear it yeah. Yeah, I think I think once the record's out
0: and it's ready to go, you can definitely expect to see us, you know, making our way around the country a lot more. Um, we're we're really excited about it. Um, we have a really good feeling about this record. Um, I think we're really confident in, in it doing well and it being received well. Um, and yeah, like River said, you know, we're going to get out
2: and tour. Um, and we're going to get out as much as we possibly
0: can. Get the word out.
2: Finally, what is the best way for fans to purchase music and merchandise from Volcandra? As
0: of right now, uh, as as it was mentioned before, we just have our, our first single out right now, "Planes of Despair." You can find that on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, um, YouTube, you know, all of your streaming services. You can also listen to it on our Bandcamp and download it from there. Um, and then once the album is released, we'll have a proper merchandise store set up. Uh, maybe keep a, keep an eye out for like a big cartel link or something like that.
2: Um, yeah, and we'll have everything available. Also come out to see one of these upcoming shows because I saw the merch booth you had set up downstairs and you had lots of good things, patches and all sorts of sick merch, the Volcandra logo. Who did that? That's an awesome looking logo. Christoph Spatul, is that how you say his last name? He's the Lord of Logos.
0: Um, He's done work for Emperor and so many other legendary bands. Um, He's done work for like Inferi. Um, I mean, you just go through his catalog.
2: Yeah, Um, just loads of band. Yeah. Yeah, Christoph. Well, guys, my first time to see you all perform live is this evening. I'm looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to that debut album whenever it comes up. River, Dave, thanks so much for joining us.
1: I appreciate you having us. Thank you.